<laughs> and um, our Old Testament reading this morning comes from the 78th, uh, 72nd Psalm, verses 8 through 14, where we have this wonderful picture of the messianic kingdom of Jesus encompassing all nations, beginning with verse 8. He will rule, that is, Jesus will rule from sea to sea and from the river to the ends of the earth. The desert tribes will bow before him and his enemies will lick the dust. The kings of Tarshish and of distant shores will bring tribute to him. The kings of Sheba and Seba will present him gifts. All kings will bow down to him and all nations will serve him. And then our New Testament reading from the book of Revelation, the seventh chapter, verses nine through 12. After this, I looked and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count from every nation, tribe, people, and language, standing before the throne and in front of the Lamb. And they were wearing white robes and were holding palm branches in their hands. And they cried out in a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God, who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. All the angels were standing around the throne and around the elders and the four living creatures. They fell down on their faces before the throne and worshiped God, saying, Amen, praise and glory and wisdom and thanks and honor and power and strength be to our God forever and ever. Amen. This is the word of the Lord. Amen. You may be seated. So several weeks ago, when there were only about four or five people, uh, sitting out here, and we were still limited to live streaming. Uh, Daryl Waltley, the RUF uh, campus minister, uh, as I walked out, I was over there by the booth, and he leaned over to me. He said, I bet you never thought you would end your ministry as a TV evangelist. <laughs> oh, my. Uh, COVID-19 has certainly upended our lives in so many ways. I mean, I couldn't get a haircut for the longest time, <laughs> and I, so I just decided to embrace it. Uh, I have to say that live streaming sermons while preaching to a virtually empty sanctuary has been a surreal experience. Happily, we're gathered here personally now, albeit masked and seated in the prescribed social distance. Um, it's not, a, not exactly how I envisioned my last Sunday here at Grace as senior pastor. And uh, let me just say that I'm humbled by the large number of you who have come today, COVID-19 notwithstanding. Thank you, along with all of you who are um, live streaming at home, continuing my legacy as a TV evangelist. <laughs> well, thank you, too. I, I've been thinking about retiring for many years, uh, not so much because I was eager to do so, but because I was concerned about the transition of a church whose pastor has been the pastor for nearly 37 years. A lot of churches don't navigate that well, and so it's been a great concern of mine. But the Lord has been gracious, and He's guided us as a church throughout the last few years, and we uh, have, um, a pre we've, been pre we've prepared well for a new chapter in the life of, of Grace Church. And so, as I've come headed towards this last week, I've been, uh, been doing a lot of last things. 
the last sacrament of Holy Communion last June, the last session meeting, the last monthly pastors and staffs uh, dinner at our place, our last presbytery meeting, our last staff meeting, and over the past many weeks I've been anticipating my last sermon. So as I, um, as I thought about this last message, I decided that I wanted to leave with you the three things that have been paramount in my ministry and I hope are the hallmark of it. And that is worship, the gospel, and reconciliation. So um, I had a sermon, but I was, it was what we preachers humorously refer to sometime as a sermon in search of a text. But I found a text, and it's here in our reading in Revelation, the seventh chapter. And from this text, I wish to highlight three challenges that I leave with you here at Grace Church. And they are, keep worship as the centerpiece of your life as a community. Keep the gospel ever before you. And keep reconciliation at the heart of your mission. I'm not going to take long uh, in pulling these things out of the text. You can go back into the sermon archives. There's lots of sermons on these topics, kind of my three main points in my ministry. Um, but though briefly, my desire is to leave these challenges as my parting words to uh, this church that I love. So first of all, keep worship as the centerpiece of your life as a community. There is nothing more important that you do as a community of believers than to gather for Sunday worship. It is the Lord's day, and you honor Him, and you celebrate Him and His grace when you gather together to worship Him. So if I may borrow a phrase from the book of Hebrews, do not neglect gathering together as so many Christians are in the habit of doing in the American church today. I remind you that worship is the very purpose for which God saved you. It is the purpose of salvation. And this is nowhere more clear than it is in the Exodus account of Israel. And the Exodus account of Israel is the archetype of salvation. God's people in bondage and a liberator, a savior, Moses representing Jesus who comes and brings the people out of slavery and into the, ultimately into the land of promise. And you'll remember that time and again, Moses goes to Pharaoh with the words that God himself has given to him to say to, Moses, to, say to Pharaoh, let my people go so that they may worship me. The centrality of worship is seen all throughout the scriptures. And we see it right here in our text here this morning. It's the focus of this entire text. Here we see numberless, a numberless multitude. And what are they doing? They are worshiping. Verses 9 and 10, 
After this, I looked, and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count from every nation, tribe, people, and language, standing before the throne, and in front of the Lamb, they were wearing white robes, and they were holding palm branches of celebration in their hands, and they cried out in a loud voice, Salvation belongs to God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. It's what we see the angels doing. They're standing around the throne in the midst of this great, vast, numberless multitude. And we read in verses 11 and 12, and the angels were standing around the throne and around the elders and the four living creatures, which have been described earlier in the book. And they fell down on their faces before the throne and they worshiped God, saying, Amen, praise and glory and wisdom and thanks and honor and power and strength be to our God forever and ever. Oh, dear saints, here at Grace, keep the main thing the main thing. Worship is the main thing. The second challenge that I leave with you is keep the gospel ever before you. Worship rises out of an ever deeper grasp of the gospel. Worship is rooted in the grace and in the mercy of God for you in Jesus Christ. And this is the focus of the worship of this numberless multitude. We see that it's in verse 10, and they cried out in a loud voice, Salvation belongs to God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. Salvation belongs to God. That is to say, it is all of Him. He is the originator. He is the one that carries it through. He's the one that brings us ultimately to the salvation that he has. Justification, sanctification, glorification, salvation. It's all of God. Glory, salvation belongs to him and to the lamb. And Jesus is that lamb of God who earlier is described as a lamb that looks as though he has been slain. For he takes our way, the sin of the world, our sin through the shedding of his blood. It's this wonderful picture. The lamb slain is the picture of the lamb at the very heart of the Passover and of the Exodus. When that lamb, that innocent, blameless lamb is slain and the blood is applied to the doorposts in order that the angel of death may pass over. And it is the picture of the blood of Jesus who is applied to to us so that death passes over. And we have eternal life. We are brought into the presence of God and ultimately to that promised land, that new heaven and that new earth. The blood of Jesus, the Lamb of God, cleanses us, robes us with white robes. We see that in verse 9, right? The people people from every language, nation, uh, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, they were wearing white robes. And then in verses 13 through 14, it says, One of the elders asked me, these white robes, who, uh, these in white robes, who are they and where did they come from? I answered, so you know, sir, you know. And he said, these are those who have come out of the great tribulation. They have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. The work of Christ on the cross is the great exchange. All of our sin given to Jesus for which he dies. And Jesus lives a perfect life for us and gives it to us. To use theological language, our sin was imputed to Jesus and his righteousness was imputed to us. And it is all of grace through faith alone.
never, ever lose sight of the gospel. Always find your assurance of salvation in Christ alone. Keep the gospel ever before you. Gather together in worship to celebrate God's grace because salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. The third challenge that I leave with you this morning is this. Keep reconciliation at the heart of your mission. This worship and worship is to be characterized is to be characterized by the display of the reconciling power of the gospel ultimately for the sake of the gospel that's what Jesus tells us so clearly in the book of it prays so clearly in the book of John on the eve of his death and we know that whatever Jesus is praying before he dies is really the thing that is most uppermost is uppermost in his mind And he prays in verses 20, following my prayer is not for them alone, not just for these disciples of mine that are here with me and for whom I'm praying, Father. My prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for all of those who will believe in me through their message, that's us. That all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us so that the world, here it is, what's the purpose? So that the world may know uh, so, uh, so, so, uh, so the world may believe that you have sent me. May they be brought to complete unity to let the world know that you have sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. It is the apologetic for the truth of the gospel. This is what we see here in our text. Those who are gathered for worship, celebrating the gospel, are a numberless multitude from every nation and tribe and people and language. What we have in front of us here in this text is what we call multi-ethnic worship. This is God's vision for his church. The mission, therefore, of the church is to pursue the vision of God for his people. I remind you that the saving work of Jesus on the cross, the shedding of his blood, was to reconcile us to God, thanks be to God, but it was also to reconcile us one to the other, to reconcile us across the lines that divide us, particularly the dividing wall of racial hostility, which sadly we see on great display these days. And yet, the church, the church should be the shining light in the midst of the darkness if it would but follow what Paul says here in Ephesians beginning with verse 11, therefore, and by the way, that text right before us says, for we are, you know what I say, and let me say it one last time, when you see a therefore, see what is therefore, Right? For by grace are you saved through faith, this not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. For we are God's workmanship, in crea- created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do, therefore. 
Because what, it, what, what is, what is it we are to do? Remember that formerly you who were Gentiles, which is just about every one of us here, remember that you who were formerly Gentiles by birth called uncircumcised by those who call themselves a circumcision that done in the body by the hands of men. Remember that at that time you were separate from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel, foreigners to the covenants of promise, without hope, without God in this world. But now in Christ Jesus... You who were once far away have been brought near through the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has made the two one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing in his flesh the law with its commandments and regulations. His purpose, why did Jesus do all of this? His purpose was to create in himself one new man out of the two, thus making peace. And in this one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross by which he put to death their hostility. Gospel reconciliation is God's mission for the church. So may the mission of grace never change. Your mission is to love and to serve your community and world with the good news of Jesus Christ bringing people together across the lines of race and class to worship and to follow Jesus. So sisters and brothers here at Grace Church, as I step down as your senior pastor and as Kenny Foster stands up, steps up as your senior pastor, keep worship as the centerpiece of your life as a community. Keep the gospel ever before you and keep reconciliation at the heart of your mission. Amen. 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 Amen.